Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire. Bible Crossfire, as the announcer said, you're allowed to call in and make Bible comments, ask your Bible questions. Uh, we discuss what the scriptures have to say, and we're open to finding out what it has to say. If I preach something that's different than what the Bible says, then I would appreciate you pointing it out to me. Because we want to have the truth, because only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8, verse 32. Tonight I thought, while we're waiting on our first call, we'd talk about biblical inerrancy. In other words, is the Bible without error in all respects? I'll suggest to you, there are no errors in the Bible. Now, first, when you're talking about this, you first must establish that the Bible is the Word of God to start with. Now, I'm going to assume that since I think all of my listeners already agree that the Bible is the Word of God, but just some of the listeners may say the Bible is the Word of God, but it has errors in it. Now, if you would like proof that the Bible is the Word of God, then what I want you to do is send me an email, and I'll send you some material proving that the Bible is the Word of God. It's pretty technical. might not work so well on this program, but if you'll go to BibleCrossfire.com, my website, you'll see a thing you can click on to send me, Patrick Donahue, a question or a comment. Just click on that and say, Pat, I want the material that proves the Bible is inspired of God, that it's the Word of God and not just a product of man. If you have any Bible question or comment on any subject, you can always go to my website, BibleCrossfire.com, and ask that question. Make that Bible comment. Also on that website, you can click another button if you want to have a face-to-face Bible study with someone like me in your area. You know, I like to have Bible studies here in the North Alabama area. With My wife goes with me, and we have face-to-face Bible studies with people who are interested in different Bible topics. Maybe you live in Nebraska or something like that. It's too far for me to come. Well, I can probably find somebody in Nebraska that's like me, that's willing to study with you face-to-face. If you would like that, go to my website, BibleCrossfire.com, and click on that button that says, Click here to request a face-to-face Bible study with someone like Pat in your area. Or maybe you feel a little uncomfortable with someone coming to your house or maybe to a neutral place like McDonald's and studying face-to-face, but you would like to learn the Bible through a free Bible correspondence course. It's kind of like going through the mail, except on my website, you can do this online. Uh, A free online Bible correspondence course, and that's put there, thankfully, by my friend Shane Pack, who did that. It's the Jesus is the Way Bible Correspondence Course. You could also, if you don't want to do it online but would like it done through the regular mail, you can get that same Bible Correspondence Course done through the mail. Just go to the website, BibleCrossFire.com, click on the thing that says to send me a question or comment and ask for the correspondence course through the regular mail. But anyway, as I was saying, if you want the material proving that the Bible is inspired, that it is the Word of God, go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com. Click on that button and ask for that. We're going to assume that for a moment and address the question of whether, okay, the Bible is the Word of God, but is it inerrant? Is it without error? Because a lot of believers, 
who believe the Bible is the word of God, they don't think the Bible is without error. They think there are errors in it, and so they kind of just pick and choose what they're going to accept, and they choose the things they think are right, and the other things they don't like, they dismiss and say there are errors in the Bible, but let's show that the Bible is inerrant. But let me mention the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You know, the human writers... Peter, Paul, Isaiah, they acted like secretaries, really. God is the actual author of the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 reads this way. The words of Jeremiah, to whom the word of the Lord came. So sure, it's the word of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, but it's to whom the word of the Lord came. Jeremiah was acting like a secretary. He was writing down what God told him to say. So God is really the author. Just like the executive of the company is really the author of the letter, even though the secretary types it, God is really the author of the Bible, even though folks, prophets like Jeremiah, wrote down what he had, God had them to say. Now, Jesus himself calls the Bible the Word of God. Mark seven thirteen, for example, Jesus speaking says, "...making the Word of God of none effect through your tradition." So Jesus calls the Bible part of the Bible he had that was in existence at that time, the Old Testament. He calls it the Word of God. And if it is the Word of God, well, God doesn't make any errors, right? So if it's really the Word of God, and Jesus himself said that it is, then there's not going to be any errors in it, because if God's the author, he would not make an error. Sure, if it's just a product of men, it could have errors in it. It would have errors in it. But since it's the Word of God, as Jesus claims, it's not going to have any errors. That's where we had come up with this idea of biblical inerrancy. The Bible is the Word of God without any errors. Now, people might say, well, but, but it doesn't the Bible call the main part of the Old Testament the law of Moses? It, it, doesn't that mean it didn't come from God? It just came from Noah? I mean, Moses? <laughs> well, let's notice Nehemiah 8, verses 1 and 8. It says, to bring the book of the law of Moses, so they read in the book of the law of God. What we have there is those phrases used interchangeably, the law of Moses and the law of God. Because God is the actual author, Moses is just writing it down. God told Moses what to say. Moses is like the secretary. God is actually the author. Tricia from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, good evening. Um, I have... Let me turn this down because I'm not going to be able to hear well. There yeah, we go. <laughs> if, if you have the radio on, it's going to cause confusion because there's a delay and it causes feedback. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> um, well, anyhow, I have some friends who uh, believe that they are still bound under the law for clean food. And they won't eat pork and other things of that nature, which is fine if that's what they want to do. Um, obviously, I don't believe that. Um I believe that we are free to eat any foods that they all know and make clean. But um, occasionally this comes up in our conversations that we have with them, and uh, um, I don't want to say anything disrespectful to them. I'm just wondering how to handle that and what your thoughts are on clean and unclean foods. Well, Tricia, that's a really good question. Uh, there are a number of passages I think we could turn to. You still on the line, Tricia? Yes. 
Okay, but one of them is 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And so there's a section of Acts chapter 10, uh, Romans 14, Tricia deals with eating pork. And this passage mm-hmm. talks about some of these people who had used to be Jews evidently and were trying to say that, that Christians could not eat pork and catfish and the other things that were forbidden by the Old Testament. And he's saying these are false teachers when they command to abstain from meats. He says, every creature of God, nothing to be refused. And so here's a good passage, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. You might show them, Tricia, to show that it's okay to eat pork under the New Testament law, under the New Testament dispensation. That was 1 Timothy, I'm sorry. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Okay. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you'll go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com, and send me an email and say, Pat, give me all the passages that, that show that it's right to eat what was considered to be unclean meats under the Old Testament law, give me all those passages and I'll send them to you. That's, go to BibleCrossFire.com and just click on the button that says send Pat an email, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thanks for your call, Tricia. Oh, thank you for your time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, one thing we need to realize when we're talking about issues like that is that we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. We're not under the Old Testament law. And so these laws like animal sacrifices, the forbidding to eat of unclean meats like pork and and catfish, uh, circumcision, the Sabbath, these laws are not binding anymore. Those were just Old Testament laws, and they're not in the New Testament. I'm turning, there are a number of passages I could turn to, but how about Galatians 3, 24 and 25? It says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So here the law is identified as the schoolmaster. In verse 24 and 25 says we're no longer under the schoolmaster, meaning we're no longer under the law. So if we're not under the law anymore, that means we don't have to keep the law, the Old Testament law anymore. Now that doesn't mean that we can do anything we want to, that we can just live willy-nilly. No, God still has a law for us. He still expects us to live a certain way, but it's the New Testament that defines how he wants us to live, not the Old Testament. So the New Testament is our law for today, and it makes it clear in the New Testament that it's okay now. Under the Old Law it was not, but under the New Testament it's okay to eat pork. We could, if you wanted to, I could send you a whole list of verses, 10 or 12, that clearly show we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. Just go to the website, BibleCrossFire.com, and click on the button toward the top that says send a question or comment to Pat and ask for the list of verses that prove, this is not just a, a maybes, this, this proves that we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, like, and this is why we don't have to do animal sacrifices, circumcision, keep the Sabbath today, why we can eat pork, catfish, things like that. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 
655 if you have a Bible question or comment. So we're, we're back to talking about biblical inerrancy. And we mentioned that Jesus calls the Bible the Word of God. And Jesus also calls the Bible, the, uh, that is the Scriptures, the truth. The truth. For example, John seventeen seventeen, Jesus speaking, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Now, the Bible couldn't really be called truth if it had errors in it, could it? So the fact that Jesus calls it the truth really shows that it doesn't have any errors in it, because if it had errors in it, he could not have called it the truth, not honestly anyway. You know, to say the word of God has errors in it would be, in effect, calling God a liar. Because you call it the Word of God, the Bible calls it the Word of God, how could it have errors in it unless God was lying? If it's His Word and it has errors in it, that means God is saying things that are not true. He's lying. But Titus 1, verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So God cannot lie. And so if this is the Word of God, as we as it claims to be, and as we can prove, ask for the information, I'll send it to you, since God cannot lie, cannot have any errors in it. You know, Jesus was on this earth preaching for about three years. And just before he left, he said he had to leave, but the Holy Spirit would come as a comforter and would guide the apostles. Here's how it says that in John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear... That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And so, actually, the Bible is the product, the New Testament is the product of the Holy Spirit guiding the apostles and the New Testament prophets into all the truth. And the Holy Spirit, being God, he doesn't make errors, does he? Again, this shows the Bible is inerrant, without errors. How about 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, which shows us how... God inspired the, the, the Bible. How God revealed his will through the Holy Ghost. It says, quote, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. You see that 1 Corinthians 2.13 teaches that each word was inspired. It wasn't just that the ideas were inspired and men could make mistakes communicating those ideas in their own words. We have a lot of people that think that. Now, that's not the way it was. God actually gave the words. And that's why Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. He could write that what he wrote was the commandments of Jesus. Let me read that verse for you. It says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So it is not just the red letter parts of the Bible that are from God, the parts that, Je that are quotes from Jesus directly, the whole thing is. And you think, well, doesn't everybody agree with you on this, Pat? Doesn't everybody believe that? No, no. For example, I've had a number of debates with the gay church, and they don't believe this at all. I was discussing on Facebook the other day with, with one of these gay church preachers I had deba debated about 20 years ago, and we were talking about the idea of women preachers in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35 that says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. And she said, Paul was an idiot. She claims to be a preacher. She claims to be a preacher of the gospel. She's the preacher for a church. 
yet she said Paul was an idiot because she really thinks that only what Jesus said counts, that Paul was wrong. She doesn't believe the Bible is inerrant at all. She believes it has many errors in it, but she doesn't understand passages like John 16, 13, where Jesus himself said, I'm going to leave. But after I leave, after I die, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all the truth. So the apostles and New Testament prophets like Paul, when they wrote, it's a shame for women to speak in the church, that was the Holy Spirit inspiring them into all the truth. And so it is just as valid as the red letter parts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's what we just read in 1 Corinthians 14, 37. Three verses after Paul said, it's a shame for women to speak in the church, he said that this what he was writing are the commandments of the Lord, the commandments of Jesus, and that's because he was inspired of God. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. That number again is 877-655-6755. You know, Jesus would make arguments upon small, what we consider to be small things in the Bible. For example, in Matthew 22, 31 and 32, he made an argument based upon the tense of a word, whether or not it's present tense or past tense. He says, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken to you by God saying, I am, underline that word am, present tense, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus is making the argument that when that when Moses was at the burning bush, God didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, that meant even though they had died physically, they still existed, or God could not have used the present tense, I am their God. He would have had to say, I was their God. Jesus said, since, in effect, since it's the present tense, that proves that they're still existing, that there is a resurrection. Jesus makes an argument based upon the tense of a word in the Old Testament Scriptures. Now, how could Jesus do this if the Bible was not inerrant, without error? He couldn't. Paul made an argument based upon the fact that a word was singular and not plural. Galatians 3.16 reads, Now to Abraham and his seed, notice that word singular, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. See, Paul is referring back to an Old Testament scripture and notices that the word seed is used, singular, not plural. So he said he must be referring to Christ because it's singular, not plural. So even the grammar of the Bible is inspired. There are no errors in it whatsoever, not even the tense of the verbs, not even whether or not a noun is singular and plural. The Bible is without error in the words and even the endings of the words in the sense we're talking about. Again, the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21 reads, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, what this text is saying is that the Scriptures did not come by the will of man, but, but, but holy men of God 
spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the word of God does not come from men. It came from God. Do you see that? That's uh, pretty clear that this word of God would not have errors in it because it did not come from men. It came, did not come from men. It came from God. And then let's talk about 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, which reads, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So if the Bible is inspired, and this verse says that scripture is inspired, all scripture is inspired of God, if it's really inspired by God, then it's going to be without errors. We should accept its doctrine, whatever it says, if it's inspired of God. So what we've shown is, is that the Bible is from God, it's the Word of God, and that it's without errors. Everything in it is reliable. No errors in it whatsoever. And that's why we can use it depend, to dependably teach doctrine. What is right and what is wrong. We can know what is sin and what is not sin because the Bible is from God and it's without error. Any errors whatsoever. Again, if you want that material proving that the Bible is the word of God to start with, go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com and click on the button to send me an email. Or you can do it directly by sending me an email at BibleCrossFire dot at email dot com. BibleCrossFire at email dot com. If you number to call, if you have a Bible question or comment, is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's get back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10-12, through 12, which reads, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be condemned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Several weeks ago, we were breaking that passage down. And we got to basically down about two-thirds of the way through. So let's take up from where we left off. It says in the latter part of that passage that they should believe a lie who believe not the truth. What we can learn from that, that they should believe a lie who believe not the truth. And this is talking about God sending them a strong delusion. We can learn it is not okay to believe false doctrine. We should not believe a lie. Instead, we should believe the truth. In Matthew 15, verse 9, Jesus says, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines of the commandments of men. And so instead of teaching the commandments of men, we should be teaching the commandments of God. If we teach the commandments of men... Our worship will be in vain, useless or worthless, and certainly we can't go to heaven that way. Second John verse 9 reads, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So we have to abide in the teaching of Christ. And aren't we thankful that the word of God is given to us without error so that its doctrine is dependable. We know what God wants us to do, what he wants us to believe, teach, and practice. And this says, if we don't abide in that teaching of God, that teaching of Christ, we don't have God. We don't. We can't be saved that way. That's why this program emphasizes the correct doctrine of Christ at every juncture, because it is so important. If we don't abide in it, we don't have God. We can't be saved. The way we can 
make sure we're following the doctrine of Christ and not the doctrine and the commandments of men is by doing what we see in Acts 17, verse 11. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. And so we need to all search the scriptures on our own so we can find out if what we're being taught is so. Because if we don't abide in the teaching of Christ, we don't have God, we can't be saved. We're going to have to go off the air in about half a minute. Let me mention again the website, BibleCrossfire.com. If you want that free material on the Bible is the Word of God or anything else we talk about, send me an email there. Go there to BibleCrossfire.com. Go and click on the button that says send Pat Donahue a question or comment. Or if you'd like to request a face-to-face Bible study with someone like me in your area, there's a button there you can click and request that. And I will find somebody in your area to study with you face-to-face. Or if you would like just to study online, a a Bible correspondence course, go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com, and click on that link. We'd be glad to oblige. Send me an email. Let's talk about the Bible throughout the week.